only way I know how to make a diamond is to jerk off an old man. I knew a girl named Nikki. I guess you could say she was a sex fiend. I met her. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chill and Ambitious. We are riffing off uh, last week's episode and trying another new thing, influenced by some feedback we've gotten. This is true. I'm O. I'm No. And together we make O-No. Oh, no. Um, so we've been getting... People really loved our episode on uh, with our with Mina McQueen, our dominatrix, and they were really fascinated by the workings of sex work. Um, and so we decided to focus a little bit more on that again today. It's true. Um, but it was know, also inspired. What else was it inspired by? By this that article that really pissed you off. <laughs> oh, yeah. So people are more interested in sex work, I think, today, you know, where like gender roles are changing. And I think, I mean, you live in New York City where people are like, if he doesn't buy me a drink, I don't talk to him, you know? And I think, like, this whole idea of exchange of, like, you need to buy me something to have, like, whatever. Like, that's just, like, the start of, like, a reflection of so many other things. It, it is. Um, I wouldn't say that it's exactly sex work to ha- have an expectation because the, the, no, ma- the like, why matters. It's true, but it's also, like, I guess, I know, I guess I'm, I'm jumping here, but, like, I think, you know, originally marriage, in, in a sense, was like a business transaction. Absolutely. It really was. And Your so, goat. My daughter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I guess, you know, there's been a lot of talk of like, well, if it's happening anyways, like, might as well get some money for it, like, straight up. Or like that, make it more transparent. Because some people are straight up like, you know, um, I, I would only, if he buys me this, this, and this. And then I put out. And I feel like I have to because he bought me all these things. Like, you know. Yeah. Well, okay, let's talk a little bit more about this because sex work is very complicated. It doesn't have to be, but I mean, it is because there's um, the factors of how people get in, involved in it in the first place, um, which a lot of people start, don't necessarily start willingly or start willingly as teenagers, right? But then that's not really, really, they were that's like not really consented into it. Um, a lot of people in the sex work trade are were abused physically abused um as children and teenagers mm-hmm. um so this it, is not necessarily to glamorize but there was this 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 vanity fair article that basically yes. just like glamorizes or what did you call these it? it was like gentrifying it was gentrifying prostitution <laughs> it just made me mad and um i guess so yeah it's it's been out more in this public eye of being like oh like you know, uh, you have all this college debt and um, and, and then you, you get like your maybe an internship or a job that pays 40K and it's not cutting in. You're trying to live in uh, like a, a city, your, like- yeah, in your city and this has become more of an option for people. And that's the way or- that this article framed that, that like it's a way for people to like pay off their their college debt. The Vanity Fair article is titled Daddy's Dates and the Girlfriend Experience. Welcome to the new prostitution economy. Who's it by? Nancy Joe Sales. Thanks, Nancy Joe Sales. 
Thanks for glamorizing this. <laughs> you see the photo. It's like it's just so ridiculous. And also, hold it on. looks like a t- what, what commercial? This could be an advertisement for like Cartier. Absolutely. I that's what I totally thought. Um, I also want to say that another one of my favorite quotes from this article is. One of the girls in in the article says, while in college, I've had the ability to focus on developing myself because I'm not slaving away at a minimum wage job. I reject it when people say I'm oppressed by the patriarchy. People who make $7 an hour are oppressed by the patriarchy. And I do want to point out, though, that most prostitutes are maybe making $7 an hour Uh. (laughs) or less. Who knows? You're you're, Uh. when you think that's that's such trash, right? It comes from such an entitled place and i think it kind of just sh- it shits on the hard work that other like prostitutes who don't have a choice as much of a choice Ugh. it shits on them it's disgusting yeah okay okay here's a quote um my friend who does it says i do it for the chanel Elisa says Riley, we both come from upper middle class families, but we never felt right asking our parents to buy us designer handbags or something to put that burden on them financially. I was already working a full time job at a clothing store and all my money was going towards helping my parents to pay for school. So there's nothing left for shopping. Like that's trash. <laughs> that's absolute trash because all my money was I had I didn't have four thousand extra dollars left over to buy a Chanel bag. And now, okay. that's that's a sense of entitlement. So and so it's a complicated issue in that we're not at all shaming it at all. It's more the fact that it's not legal in the United States. So it's still very dangerous and a lot of people who are in it aren't doing it by choice. And I just feel like it just completely like whitewashed all that away and it's just like oh like now that you know you just had this hang up about being a prostitute and the people still do they like call it something else like a lot of these people who are essentially (laughs) prostitutes like like one insists that they're you know like she says i'm networking learning things from older men who well this is like that's a privilege right like and even within prostitute we we do actually so today's we we interview someone today who is um who work is a sex worker who is not an escort. She mainly, um, you know, it's she's, trans- yeah, she she's, literally, it's just about the sex for money. Sometimes she may go out on a date, but that's not the standard set. Setup. That's not her standard setup. And, um, we know that this person we are interviewing today comes from a very privileged background and that she chose to go into it. And so I do want to, a big concern of ours is just to talk about all of the risk factors involved. Um, and also just the fact that, I don't think that prostitution should be illegal. I mean, it's really stupid because it just ends up harming, uh, harming women because well, if the, they the are, if they, the, the one that gets arrested. Yeah. She's the one who gets arrested. She's or he, she, or he, let's be fair. Um, right. they're the ones that get arrested and they get fined. And if they get a- abused or violated, um, there's no recourse. There's no recourse. Um, and so, I mean, that that's another thing we'd like to just kind of highlight um, is that there's so many avenues to get in to to go in towards um, sex work, and a lot of it starts off as trafficking. So it's not, but if you're making a decision to go in, then you have to kind of be aware of, of the risk of the risk involved. And, and to your point, though, I think also that there is so much risk involved. It is still a lot of people don't do it by choice, and even the people that do do it by choice. Like we have occupational hazards for a lot of different jobs. And I think part of this is also just like, like humanizing and seeing 
this perspective of why someone would go into it because you know like when you see on the news sometimes when like oh a prostitute gets killed and blah 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 there's like nobody not, cares yeah they don't have the sympathy like we was that, we was talk- that serial murder in LA it was like do I think he was like killing women black women for like over 20 years a lot of them were prostitutes and didn't realize it was he was a serial killer mm-hmm. and like the families were like you know reaching out trying to work with the police and nobody paid any re- paid any attention and it took like 20 years to catch this guy yeah and so our guest today um she spent two years before she actually Two years, like, researching and thinking about going into this before she actually went ahead. And, um, you know, she'll talk. And we thought it was an interesting conversation to, like, actually see her about, like, the nitty gritties of at least with New York sex work. Because she's from Long Island and she's doing it here in New York. And um, and she definitely emphasizes how, like, the laws and everything change state by state. So if this is something that you're curious about. Or just want to learn a bit more about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, we, it's still scary, even if you choose to go into it. Um, and you'll hear her in her tell her story. Yes, uh, her name, her her go by is L Kim. Yep. And uh, let's hear a little bit about how that works. So hard for the money. She hard for the money. So you right. So can and, you tell us about your journey and like how you sure. got there? You're a college graduate. You decided yes. you did this after. Yeah, you graduated. So I graduated from, you know, like a very prestigious, small liberal arts school. Um, I had the whole millennial outline set out for me, you know, go to school, get a job, work for a few years, go to grad school, get married, have babies, totally millennial kind of life. But, you know, things don't always work out like that. And I got fired from a sales job um, due to purely bureaucratic and, quite frankly, sexist reasons um, at this IT recruitment firm in the financial district in New York City. Um, after, so that was, that was right after, that was in February of 2016. Um, oh, so you're kind of new to this. I am. I'm extremely new to this. Um, but I have dipped my toe into this pool before because it's like I said before, um, it's something that, you know, I'd been thinking about, been interested in, been doing my own research on through reading other people's accounts, um, online, listening to, you know, different podcast episodes, um, watching TV shows and reading all these like memoirs and stuff. Um, so I wanted to get a good idea of what I was getting into before fully jumping in. And when I say that I dipped my toe before into the pool, um, I had flirted with sugar arrangements, um, making an account on seekingarrangement.com, a website solely for, for matching up sugar daddies and sugar babies. Yeah. Um, this was about a, a year prior. Um, so like I had already kind of practice putting on that mentality of going to meet a total a total strange older man and not knowing what the outcome was going to be uh can you explain sugaring in case people don't know what that is so um sugar relationships are a are a discussed predetermined arrangement um financial or material goods 
um, and you arrange with your daddy or your benefactor or however you want to put it, because they could also be a mentor, a friend. Um, a lot of uh, daddies do want to emphasize that they are not there just for the sex, that they do want to create some kind of relationship. And I think that sugaring is the most gray area out of, you know, a traditional transactional, a traditional relationship in that, you know, a woman wants security, a man wants you right. and when you well, say and, and seeking arrangement is one of the biggest like, it is one of the that. biggest and unfortunately now it's just flooded with pros so it's popularity has gone down a bit but the way they but, market it is very like relationship on your terms yes where beautiful successful people feel mutually beneficial relationships the, you know the they, they make it sound very thing about this website is that when you go onto any like man's profile their net worth and their annual income is listed on, on the side as like one of the characteristics like you would see on okay keep it like eye color yeah yeah well it's i mean i feel like i i know people who've definitely done that but like without using senior, like finding guys on tinder exactly. and then basically just kind of create like figuring out this guy's older he has some money like right um and then just basically being like i'm not gonna do this if you don't take me out to dinner like mm-hmm. and so it is the most in that gray kind of area it yeah. really is it's 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 the area where you could either say, oh, I'm doing this and I'm a pro or I just want to be spoiled and I just want to be treated nicely. But the it, it really just depends on on what what side of the picture you're standing from. Because yeah. I'm I just mean, curious from your personal experience. And my personal goes, do you experience, feel like I totally people- consider a prostitution. I absolutely do. Point blank. I think it is. I Well, if not prostitution, it is sex work and it is creating a different kind of um dynamic in your relationship not that i'm saying i i'm not saying that it wouldn't work because there are sugar relationships that have been established and lasted 30 years i mean look at concubines and all that stuff in history but um i think that it when when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it it's you're withholding something in exchange for you know holding you're holding something over someone's head and there's an exchange, a, stru- a power struggle, and a dynamic that influences any kind of genuine, organic relationship that could happen. And absolutely, yeah. I I don't think I ever told you this story, but one time when I had first moved to New York, I made friends with I was like bartending, whatever. And I made friends with this guy who would come in all the time. He was like a little couple years older than me, really nice. From like a really like he worked for his family's company. They. He was going to inherit it very well off, but we would just like hang out, whatever. And I knew he had a crush on me, but nothing ever happened. And then one day he just basically was like, he was just like, well, like, I like you and I think you're great. And like, I honestly, like, I just want to find someone and settle down. He's like, I'll like pay all your bills. Like you can move in with me. Like, I'll give you like a stipend. Like, what do you say? And I was like, did you just pretty woman me? <laughs> yeah. Like, and he thought it was really romantic. Like, I was really offended. And he thought it was, like, was really romantic. Well, that's right. what I was going to say. Like, and it's so, so cultural. It's so Especially, cultural. I have never seen it so hard than in New York City, which I, I mean, I lived in Chicago and, like, spent a good amount of time even on the West Coast. I don't know. It's just very, like, the whole culture of, like, making sure you take care, like, take your girl out to a nice dinner and da 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 and you mm-hmm. feel this pressure to put out when you're just taken out on oh, this yeah, first absolutely. date and like this idea that you lead with like how they you know men are very vocal about how much they make a lot of times because they think In like this that's city, this yeah. prerequisite to getting laid or being marriage material and that's like what they're looking for and, and I mean 
I can see how there's this gray line with something like seeking arrangement where a lot of people are like, this is just how I think about relationships in general. Like, right. I don't see it. Well, and also <laughs> that like men are always told that like the value is kind of like not all, but they're perceived as like the breadwinners, like men who make more money. Like even men, I think, have this view that women like men who make more money. I think women like oh, men absolutely. who... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's all the poor guys who are like, I can't get a girl because I don't have any no, money. No, it's because you have a bad fucking attitude. Yeah. Um, and Evolutionarily, nobody... it's like you're, 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 you know, you want resources and safety and security for your future and your genetics. Also, but but I also think, on. I think that there's like, maybe some people are naturally attracted to it, but I really think it's like more of an attraction to effort. Like to know that you're somebody who's going to like mm-hmm. always put it, you know, like you're going to do your share of work, you know? Right. I know he used to do nice stuff for you, but what has he done for you lately? In New York culture, it's extremely prevalent. They do seeking arrangement itself has arranges like these like meetup parties in LA and New York only. Um, so that, you know, it's a, it's a singles mixer kind of go shopping for new babies and daddies. And it's very open in the sense. I've, I feel like I've talked to men many times who are like, women have been very upfront with like, you don't make six figures. That's a requirement. Right. You know, like they'll just be very upfront with being like, you don't make enough money for what I'm looking for. So this date doesn't make sense. And it's like a very it's interview just, process. Like that's, it, it is. It's, it's like those girls who are like, if you're not over six foot two, you're not a real man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, quite frankly, I just find that kind of thing very ridiculous. The WNBA um, players, <laughs> as guys put, call it, on Bumble, they're always like, for the WNBA players out there. I'm sick. I, I love like the way the seeking arrangement website, the like sugar daddy perks and then sugar baby perks. It's obviously very sexist because I mean, it's yeah, the so daddy sexist. is always a guy yeah, and the baby CEO is a girl. Is disgusting. If you see him do like interview, he's so proud of himself too. He's ideal relationships, upfront and honest arrangements with someone who will cater to your needs. That's a sugar daddy perk. Like, oh, it's your idea. And then for the sugar baby, be pampered, indulge in shopping sprees, inspect some dinners, find a mentor, establish sugar daddies, offer valuable guidance for long-term stability. Like I would say a standard sugar relationship, like one where you work out everything beforehand and it is with either an escort or um, like a career sugar baby it would be like, you know, one weekend a month, like two overnights, um, maybe th- three to five, like um, hour longs or a couple multi hours. And you'd get a monthly stipend of jewelry, cash, clothes, like that. I know someone who does who, um, drugs. Yeah. Um, but there's a fashion designer who just like gives my friend like bunches of, of like haute couture. <laughs> and, um, some of them like she just like is like buy me a bracelet because if you have a gold bracelet you can just cash that in on a rainy day if you really need a hundred bucks or a couple hundred dollars um and the last time that she saw one of them he just handed her a stack of seven hundred dollars in cash does she think about it then like she's an escort well she is an escort okay so yeah and i think that's what's just you said it's a gray area but like still trying to pray this around like this is like a relationship when it's right. like no like it's a business it and is. it's a transaction and like no. you know this you know that i'm a sugar baby right. and i'm not a prostitute right. like do you think there's a stigma in that like people yes. who would be like oh it's okay because i'm doing this but i'm not Lisa actually Ling, um did um one of her her episodes on um it's on netflix it's like season right. one there she did an episode on sugar babies and and interviewed women and like you know young girls like me and then 
older career ones. Um, and everybody has a different opinion on, everybody has a different stance on where they stand on if it is prostitution or if it's just a define a very laid out relationship and you know i want to talk about i want to talk about okay i was trying to look up sex work like statistics i was trying to because mm-hmm. we're like legal legalizing prostitution i think is a cool thing you were saying you said mm-hmm. that it's a victimless crime i well see that the the, the the places where there's potential to hurt like in a financial way or in an emotional way is depending on how you view the sanctity of marriage. It's a very individual case by case situation. How many do you think are married well, that come to you? I mean, I, I you can't always tell. They don't, you I. can't always tell, but you, you pretty much can. can. <laughs> yeah. Also, a lot of them don't even bother taking off the ring. Like they don't care. Um, and neither do we, yeah. to be quite honest. Um, maybe Forty percent. Well, I think the thing okay. I think about it being vic- my personal list victimless crime is like because at the end of the day, it's up to every person to negotiate with their own partners, mm-hmm. like what their relationship is, right? If it's open or not. But it was really hard. I was trying to figure out if if in places where the legal prostitution was legalized, was the rate of a violent lower. And I found really conflicting information mm-hmm. about that that I couldn't like. There were st- studies done on both, but they seemed right. like they were very biased. Like this one man made an argument that like rape goes down by like ninety five percent when when prostitution is yeah, legalized. But, but I don't, rape, yeah, yeah, and also like women don't really report rape very much, yeah. and it's not prosecuted. So like I think that it's more a, a and just even violence in general. Like it was hard to find any statistics about that, but. There was, their only statistics I found were about, like, were about um, sex trafficking. Like, yes. bringing people into the profession against their will. Yeah. There's um, a great documentary on Fusion about this one little village in Mexico. And, like, there's this one neighborhood in Queens where all these girls are just imprisoned. And it's so creepy to think about because, like, I take calls in Queens. I could be, like, right next door to these girls. And I'm doing it out of, out of a choice. And it makes me feel, like, so bad. Yeah, I mean, and like there's people who brought who are brought in really young and then they're kind of that's the life. Like it's like mm-hmm. I read a statistic, but I don't like I said I don't trust most of these. The only statistics I did trust were the gems, which is mm-hmm. based solely on sex trafficking. Yeah, in New York City, in New York in City. City. Yeah. Right. Um but that's like 95% of sex workers or prostitutes in this case like are are um were like abused as a child and trafficked right. and not, or tra- and not- chosen on their will yeah or they or with they were they got but trapped. then there was a lot of arguments like in comment sections whatever about like from sex workers who were like oh well that's like if you're 14 years old what if you decided when you were 17 or 18 or 16 and a lot of that is like people getting in relationships with men and then getting manipulated like right who's and, a pimp and then getting yeah. manipulated into yeah. that and then you're never really gonna i don't know if you can really how it's gonna be very difficult to break that mindset right because it's a violent it it comes from a coercion the i mean the most incredible woman that i've met in this business so far like she was kidnapped at you know at 17 by a a pimp a professional pimp his father was a pimp before him and they had like you know these like codified rules and he did that shit to her he like basically courted her for two weeks and she thought it was a real relationship and he ended up kidnapping her and 
she was so scared, not just for her own life, but, you know, this guy had taken her phone and was texting her mom and her boyfriend pretending to be her and, you know, saying like, um, pretending, like, pretending making, she was okay. She was fine and nobody had come to look for her. Baby, I got a plan. Run away fast as you can. Um, I mean, so I agree with you in terms of like getting into the business and then the protection around people, like that's right. not victimless because like if somebody's abused, like they can't really go to the police, right? Because who's really gonna believe you? Let's like start from the beginning. Like let's okay. say like run through what it would be like for the John exchange and then we can actually then you like I wanna hear like Yeah, because how this goes from linearly like a call okay. comes in, the call okay, girls and so all that sort of stuff. the call comes in, and then how does this work? So it's, uh, it's... And there's two kinds, right? You were... In call and out call. So okay. explain that. So um, an out call is you go to the client's hosting wherever, house, apartment, car, hotel room, office, rooftop one time. Uh, and in call, um, you are at a hotel and... Um, you just have clients coming in your hotel room. Uh, sometimes, most of the time, um, I will be sharing a room with a girl and we'll have to jump into, one of us will have to jump into the closet. It's a little ratchet, but it's also another layer of security. Mm. Um, and it's like a shift too, right? You are usually called in for a certain amount of time at the hotel. At the hotel, well, that this specific agency has it broken down where they have, um, three eight hour shifts and I, they're pretty much 24 seven. Um, my other agency, because the summertime is so slow in New York, she has been, excuse me, closing down on weekends, um, which is a little counterintuitive, but you know, there's just no, it's not worth it. And, um, the way that the agencies that I work for work is that the client has only contact with the phone girl, texting the phone girl, thinking that he is talking to me. Um, they find you on back pages or something like that. Right. The the, there are four big like advertising websites um, for working girls like, you know, Backpage, Best GFE, um, GFE World, stuff like that. Um, and so not every agency works like this. And it does make my job a little harder because I don't know what I'm going into at, at all. I'm flying in blind and I'm relying on any little information that I get from the call girl, the phone girl. So when I walk in, um, I will just try to get like a quick assessment of the client's temperament and just like, you know, see like what kind of person they are. Cause it's, uh, you know, just feeding, feeding off of their energy. A lot of times they're nervous. So I'll try to just be as friendly and warm as possible. Um, if they're, if they respond to that, um, some, you know, they're just super business, like, like bam, 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 done. Um, but you know, we'll we'll sit down. We'll have a little chat. How's your day? Blah blah blah. See if the, yeah, get to do you have the out. donation? <laughs> um, the sponsorship. Yes, the donation. Do you have my donation? Because um, it's very important to collect, obviously, before anything goes down. And then the donation comes out, and then it's usually like a bit of awkward, like sitting for a minute. And then sometimes we'll be like, "Um, should we start?" Or like, I'll I'll try and make it as natural as possible. Wait, Do you I have to a ask question. If they're a cop, um, that is a myth because like it doesn't really matter. Right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, that's a myth. Yeah, that is a legitimate. myth. Oh, that if you ask if they're a cop, yeah, they have to tell you that's not. Yeah, true. yeah. that's not true. Um, they're all. sending undercover cops. Yeah, to, like 
do all kinds of stuff. And according to my boss's sources, Manhattan Vice has been cracking down and doing a lot of stings in hotels and have recently started renting apartments in order to do stings. Um, Staten Island has been really, really going like nuts for for busting um, those like rub and tug places, mm-hmm. like massage parlors. Um, fortunately... <laughs> I just remembered somebody told me that one time their friend went to a massage parlor and the lady said, do you want me to make your banana cry? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You banana cry. Oh yes. my God. That's terrible. You want me to make your banana cry? <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. I will also say that as a unaccented Asian girl, I have a very niche market cornered. <laughs> Because most Asian girls in this industry are very, like, fresh Poor. off the boat and can't really speak English that well. And so, so you're you, like, like, play up the, like, I have a conversation with you. And, yeah. 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 I have a conversation with you. I like, I whip out, like, I'm at Columbia. I'm putting myself through law school. Like, Bob, like, I'll, like with, you know, stories, 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 backstories. So um, once it looks like, you know, everything's going to move forward. Um, uh, depending on which agency I'm working with that night, I'll whip out. Um, I do offer additionals if you're interested. Um, and you know what? Lots of guys don't like sex toys. I will say that. I know. Cause it makes them feel emasculated. I think <laughs> they're like, what if you enjoy that more than me? Like, and it's more like, you know how to enjoy yourself yeah. more easily yeah, right? than, than right like in. having somebody come in blind. Right. <sighs> or like, why do I need this extra thing? Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Isn't this enough? I, watch I don't lots, have all I've the watched cough. lots of porn and women just like moan like <laughs> even when I don't do it even when men haven't even touched them yet. oh yeah, yeah. so oh, like yeah. they have all these like false ideas of like what but the thing is okay so my own personal philosophy is I'm trying to train men to not think that porn sex is real sex but I also oh, have to God. give them like you know oh yeah a version of a, a some kind of realistic version of what they see because I'm their fantasy I'm their treat for the night I'm like their little yeah. surprise like gift to themselves you know yeah you're like a yeah you're like an ice cream cone at the end of the long day exactly <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, so yeah, so this is in the in-calls and then you can upcharge, right? And and usually the rates for, like, it's based off what the phone girl tells them. They they negotiate a rate or is it standard? It's different by agency. Um, So one agency, my primary alcohol agency will set a rate based off of how long you've been working, how long you, how, um, how much my boss thinks that she can realistically get me for. And it, I, it's not something I really thought about until my driver flat out told me, but like the the whole race thing that plays into it is just so shocking to me because um, at, at an agency where they don't do a flat rate, um, like finding out that I will book a client for a $200 hour or a $250, $60 hour. And meanwhile, black girls are making $80 an hour on the same clientele. I mean, it's it's kind of heartbreaking. And why is that? Um, it's f- from like what I've heard. It's just because of the market is just like saturated. There are with, more, yeah, there are more black women of color. When it's just the not in, demand in. for it, I guess. Right. <laughs> okay. I also want to bring up this up though. You came, you came into it in a privileged place, right? So like, yes. I, this is not to say that I these acknowledge other my women, privilege. No, no, I know. But th- this is like, not to say that other women aren't, but like, you can only speak from your experience that like 
yeah. you also get perks because you can like you you're like you just look like somebody you know like you're somebody that maybe these guys would go on a date with anyway. A lot. Right? Like some of my clients, yes, absolutely, 100%. Um, and I use that to my advantage. When you're in call, there's like, right, yeah. there's a lady in Oh, the, oh, your, oh, I'm our, sorry. I never did finish this. So my one agency has a flat rate, $300 hour, $200 half hour, and $100 short stay. Um, and that the base rate does not include anything outside of penetration and orgasm inside the condom. So I get to upcharge for bare oral if they want to come on my chest or come on my face or, um, yeah, I think, um, I, depending on the client and if I'm, depending on how grossed out I am, sometimes I'll like throw in, oh, I do kissing for 25 or 40. Uh, the one girl who I know who's just straight about the money, she does not do bare oral for less than 80. Um, and she gets it too because she's just like stares her clients down and doesn't even pretend to enjoy the sex. I'm like, well, I'm, a, I'm in, in shock. I'm in shock and awe of her because she's so successful and she doesn't even seem like she's enjoying herself at all. And I, Whereas I, I do have a mod- modicum of enjoyment. I do have real orgasms with my clients because for me, it's purely utilitarian. Sex is just so utilitarian. Um, and there's a, there's a security, security guard. guard. There's a security guard. Yes, there's a the security door. guard. He's either in the stairwell or he's posted up outside because the one hotel um, that I work out of in Midtown um, only has one entrance and exit. When I was doing in-calls in Long Island, I would have the security guy um, be either somewhere on the premises or um, I would be like, I would have him on the phone before the client came to the door. And then like the phone would just be on, my hand would be down by my side, He, the client would come in. And as soon as I collected, I would confirm with the person on the phone. Because if the client knows that there's just somebody on the other end who's who's going to check up on you, it changes the mentality. Especially, and I've noticed this, and it's not, I mean, I am being super racist, but Indian clients, they get so scared if you mention security. They check all the closets. They, like, check the bathroom. Um, Because, and I do, (laughs) they're so stingy. And they're so cheap. And I know, like, I've almost gotten dipped out of $700. by, And then another girl I know said that her one like clients stole a 20 out of her pocket from a $60 car date, you know? And I, that is just something that I've seen very consistently. And See, I don't know why. I mean, I do not agree with that or anything. Cause I'm not, I'm not in your space, but like at the same time you have to, part of your job is making decisions about what kind of people. people yeah. Are, and right? your safety is involved. Too. And my safety is involved. So I really like working for this one person. Cause she lets me give her a blacklist of people who I never want to see again. And there are, other, and they've, tr- and they've respected that. Yes. And they've respected it. Other, other agencies will just be like, Nope, you have to do this. And if you try to leave, they'll fine you. You'll get like a fine for leaving early. Um, some I, some places will make you pay for gas and tolls. I don't have to, fortunately, but I always tip my driver out at the end of the night. So your driver is when you use only as a driver when you're doing out calls. Yes. So then can you explain how an out call would work? So an out call, um, if I'm fencing my phone or there's a phone girl, um, the driver will get the address. Um, so this my out call agency... Uh, all the agencies need to protect themselves, not just from the clients, but from the girls as well. Because girls will steal clients. They'll steal client lists. They'll 
say that it was a shorter call than it was and pocket the profit. You know, like people are, of course, yeah, yeah. everybody's Every in this business. Like, everyone's has, in yeah. this. Is, it's unregulated. It's, it's a, a cash money. grab. Yeah. 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 It's a straight out cash grab. So um, clients who do outcalls tend to be nicer just because like you're in their own space and they're more comfortable. They're more relaxed. Um, and so and, yeah. the, they'll call the call girl, right? Or the, the phone girls, mm-hmm. you said? And then the driver works for the for the agency? Yes. So then the phone girl will like set it up with you and the driver takes you Just, and you're like... The you're, phone girl will set it up with the client and then give the driver the address. And you're posted at like a hotel. No, I'm, I'm just posted. sitting in the car. Oh, you stay in the car. Yes. Okay. When I'm on an alcohol shift, I just stay in the car. Okay. Um, And it's pretty much like on a... Whoever wants to book me that night. Um, Excuse me. Because I don't take care of my own appointments. The reason why a lot of girls go to agencies and don't do independent, and this is like the number one thing, all the scut work. Getting your clients, talking to clients on the phone and texting is takes up so much time. And it's such a hassle because either they don't leave you alone or they get too involved and like they're texting you all the time. Mm. And so when you have a phone girl who's like, it's literally just her job to like, deal with the clients like it just makes it so much easier i could see that yeah. so and, yeah, yeah you're afterwards that you're like trying to blur these lines yeah and you're right. like i'm it's, not getting paid to talk about your day well, right now also if you like were to do it yourself then you'd have to get your own transportation and then you exactly. wouldn't have like pay out for security pay out for the transpo um like just making sure that somebody knows where i am um i always send out if i'm doing an independent call i send my address i send the address to a friend of mine um and then when there's downtime, you sit in the car and you do nothing and it's boring as shit. And I've had nights where three nights this week where I didn't have a single call. And that you're not Brutal. getting any base, right? Yeah. And I'm not getting anything. I'm just sitting in the car smoking like blunts and talking shit. <laughs> well, so um, is the driver then also like kind of partial security when you yes. do the out call? Um, when I'm on out calls, the driver is security. So... These securities in both alcohol and in-call, say something goes down. What's mm-hmm. like the process? How do you let your security know you need okay. help? So here is the perfect anecdote. I was doing an out-call in Staten Island. And, um, you know, I thought everything was kosher. Everything was fine. He seemed like a nice enough dude. Like very just like no frills nonsense. So... You know, we're in the middle of the session and he's like, do you need a break? I'm like, yeah, let me go run to the bathroom. I'm walking back. He's on the other side of the room. And I see propped up on this dresser at about a little above eye level. There's a, the dresser is like stacked with stuff, but there's a smartphone propped vertically with towels stacked on top of it. And I grab it and he's on the other side of the room. and I'm looking at it and it's recording a video. And I look at him. I'm like, are you fucking joking? And he tries to come closer to me and I say don't fucking move I grab all my stuff all my clothes my purse um and I lock myself in the bathroom delete the pictures and all the pictures videos contact information that he had he had had even though it was the phone girl not my real phone number but still factory reset the phone called my driver and told him like this is what's happening I'm in the bathroom come in and get me so a few minutes later he comes in he like the guy, the John is just sitting on the bed, like looking really shamefaced. He didn't give me any trouble, thank God. Um, and as I'm walking out, I just 
said, that was a disgusting invasion of my privacy. Don't ever contact me again. And I left. Did you take his phone? I would have broken his phone. I almost did. But, you know, you don't want... I mean, the thing is, you don't know how someone's going to react. And you don't know if they're going to want to, like, press charges or get violent or get angry. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I... As long, the second I knew that that all the incriminating ev- evidence was gone, I just made sure that my my physical safety was the next right step in that yeah line of thought processing. So, do you have any like codes? Yes, um, like you text or whatever. <laughs> yes, I guess I will. Well, I mean, it's it's just something that I made up and it's really silly. But I'll say I'll text my driver and I'll say eggs when I'm getting dressed, bacon when I'm coming out, speedy if I need him to just like call me a bunch of times and like. Um, mm-hmm. Be like, oh, I have to go. Um, and if thing, if I'm not quite sure, then I'll just be like, be on standby, be on standby until I get the. <laughs> I like how everything else has a code. Now it's like be on standby, yeah. <laughs> just like let's get to it. Yeah, B O S. Yeah, he's yeah. like, I don't know which one is eggs or like that one. You don't want to get confused. <laughs> which one is which breakfast? Oh, I thought you one? meant. <laughs> <laughs> I know oh, that's the other thinking. girl. <laughs> He's like, okay. What the hell does eggs nine one one even mean? And whose number is it? You do an out call. Do they pay by the out? Like you, you negotiate the same way, right? Or do they pay by the hour? Because you said they don't normally last like a full hour, right? Which so is- then, do they pay you like if you said like two hundred dollars an hour, and then they come in like ten minutes? No, no, you walk out of there with all of that money. Okay. Oh, I'm just curious, like if they're like want to keep going. Um, yeah, no, I, I will, depending on the client, I will sometimes on an hour call standard is like two pops and that's the industry term, a pop. No okay. pop. Wait, can I see your list again? Yes. Cause your list is funny. So there's like a, there's a master list of everyone that, um, L here, L, L has, uh, acquired has, yeah, popped <laughs> has, uh, interacted with. And like, there's like little notes about descriptions of them and like things like little quirks or whatever, I guess. So like you can remember and then also how much they paid and what you did. I heard Bill Clinton has a similar book. Not for that, (laughs) but like remembering people's birthdays and things that he's supposed to know about like people he meets and shit like that. It's also just a way to keep track of what I can get away with charging who because I do vary my prices depending on my personal feelings on the client. Oh my god, this is so funny. Okay, so what is BBO? Bareback oral. Okay. So you up so these are your up charges. Mm-hmm. Like Okay, and then this is a guy who I'm reading about the guy who robbed you this week. Yeah, I mean, so you were saying that one when the guy tried to videotape you that like went off relatively smoothly but it does get it it can get very very real it can get very real very quickly and i thought i'd seen the worst of it when i had gotten robbed for the first time um a client came into the hotel room where i was doing an in-call and like was looking just uncomfortable so i thought he was nervous yeah um i do get some first timers and i do get people who say they're first timers but clearly aren't um and so I said, is there anything I could do to make you more comfortable after just like a minute of chit chat? And he had like started to undress and he gives me this kind of cold look and says, um, no, just this. Throws his clothes back on, rips open a drawer, takes um, the other girl's phone and wallet and just dips down the hallway before anything had really even begun. Um, I'm on the phone with security screaming, giving him the description and 
the guy on duty that night did not speak great English, unfortunately. Um, so, and then there was a bit of, this was a professional thief. I had heard through two separate other stories of the same thief coming back to other girls. Um, and last week he had come to see me and I thought he looked a little familiar when he walked in and I should have been on higher alert. And that was my own fault. And I still like, I think this is so stupid because I knew something was up the minute he said that he was half Navajo Indian and half Irish. And I'm looking at him like, okay, guy. Okay, whatever. Let's just get this over with. Yeah. Trying to size him up, just thinking he's a no frills, whatever. And so we complete the session pretty quickly. And I I like to try and usher him out the door. I'm grabbing my towel. The $100 bill's on the dresser. And I didn't really, and I thought he was walking out. I didn't even really turn my back. But the next thing I know, his arm is around my neck. And I'm trying to get to my pepper spray, but he's literally lifting me off the ground. I can't breathe. And he says, open the safe. And because you're um, in a hotel room, because I'm in a hotel room. So, so if there was call. a, it was in call. If there, if the girl who I've been bunking with was in the fucking closet, like she had been supposed to be, um, there probably would have been, this probably would have not gone down like this. Um, I digress. So the second he like, gives way just a little little bit i'm screaming the security guy's name um the the guy um clocks me on the jaw and kind of pushes me um towards the air conditioner towards the floor grabs my trap phone and like a portable cell phone charger and immediately runs (laughs) and that's your trap phone has all your clients in it. Has all my clients, has the security, has all the security guys' phone numbers, my all my bosses' phone numbers, all the phone girls' phone numbers, and I all I have is my real phone, which, you know, thank God, that's the more important thing. But I didn't have every, everybody's phone number. Well, and that you're alive. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and that I'm alive. <laughs> and that I'm alive and well. And the worst thing that happened to me was just the small cut on my lip and slight asphyxiation, which I'm pretty much used to anyway from like <laughs> getting choked dirt. Girl. Oh, my anyway. <laughs> oh, I just have to give props to my boyfriend for training me in the art of uh, learning how to breathe while being choked. Well, you must have been going through some shock and you're kind of prepared for it, but you're not going through that. Like when I called you the other day because we were trying to make an appointment for the for the podcast. And I was like, oh, your phone's dead. And I had reached yeah. you out on like other networks and you were like, oh, it's because it's stolen. And I was like. <laughs> Like, oh, no one got hurt, right? You're like, well, I yeah. got choked and I got punched. And I was like, that's not cool. No, like, but it's part it of the job. It's territory. And I was like, yeah, but I still. Mean, I just have a such bad 2020 hindsight thing because I'm just like, oh, well, nothing really, really bad happened. I'm okay. I can keep on doing this. And I'm going to have the same mentality until I walk off a fucking cliff and like plummet to my death. You have a fucking horseshoe out of your ass. Well, that's what uh, you got. <laughs> L. Um, or we'll also making sure that, you know, I guess it is at added security with yeah. having someone that's like supposedly looking out for you that can like right. text somebody or right? like should yeah. be able to text the security guy or something right. so that so they don't I, know something's I going on. I at least on. had the dispatch number. So I was able to give a description to the phone girl but unfortunately the description matched another individual who was also a client of another girl who was the one who ended up you know having to pay the consequences for this thief's actions 
So, um, just as an unlucky so he got into a bit of a kerfuffle with security. Yes, he did. Before all that, okay. you were lying in your bed doing what when you first got into got into the life and thought about. Um, well, it was um, it was a conglomeration of a lot of things. I think it was just like kind of the perfect storm of being really sad from losing my job and my significant other at the time um, and going on a grief bang bender of OkCupid dates and guys I would just pick up from the bar and like getting drunk and sleeping with a different guy and eventually having it really be so meaningless and like having it be a part of my routine where I would just be like, oh, I didn't really have sex today. Um, I guess it's kind of weird. So eventually the natural progression for, well, for myself, I can't speak for everyone, is I should start charging. <laughs> um, right, when it's not having point, any yeah. point in, yeah. emotion in it. Right. And you know you could. Right, exactly. I know I could. I know that I, I, I mean, I was terrified my first night. Absolutely terrified. Um, and there are very few things. You can get used to anything. Yeah. Um, but um, I remembered reading about like these interviews with the producers of the television show, The Girlfriend Experience, and how they interviewed these real-life escorts and how they all said it was just so easy to get started. Um, getting out is the hard part. Uh, and the second you re- you find out about like the more professional versions of Craigslist, for working girls and sex workers, websites like Seeking Arrangement, websites like Backpage that are that that advertise. Oh, we we list classifieds for anything for sale for apartments for, you know, for meetups for fucking garage sales. Yeah, but the adult entertainment section is the only section of Backpage that really ever gets used. Um, and because you can post free ads, that's a that's a change that they made in very recently. I think. Um, it has changed the escort game a lot. Um, so, yeah, going um, going to Backpage and just emailing a couple of people who had put out, like, calls for girls. Um, and Wait, one... How, sorry, how does it change it a little bit? Just because of the type of people who are... Just because it's changing the type of people who are posting... Or like, yes. they're more legit, I guess, because they're putting money down for right. it. Because the people who are posting on Backpage um, are either working girls themselves trying to get independent calls or they're phone girls posting for agencies. Right. Um, so it's just being like flooded with and also like stings and people who aren't legit. Right. Like if I'm fielding my own appointments on my own phones, I would say... <laughs> less than 20% of guys who are going to come through actually come through because they'll say, okay, I'll come see you. And you learn to not really believe them until they say that they're outside the hotel. Um, it's, it's a lot of grief. It's, you get a lot of like real ratchet people off of back page. Um, the, I mean, real pros in this city don't take appointments like without, thoroughly screening and like back, back page is considered like really gross 
I would say. Not really gross, but there are other websites that are more legitimate, like Best GFE and Escort Review and Utopia Guide. So did you kind of just try- trial and error when you were going through these web pages? Like, I did. Trying to start, you start to feel out, like it's kind of like apartment hunting. You it start is. to realize this it is, is. Okay, this scam work. Like this is not a real I mean, apartment. It's, it's you just start to hunting. notice. <laughs> it is job hunting um, to a certain degree. And I did, I did have this piece of information that I should, you know, find out immediately how the agency screens their clients, um, what my security person would do should things go south. Do you feel like at any of the places you work at, Obviously, there are recruiting people on these websites. So it seems like it's by choice. But I think, you know, the shadier part, we're talking about sex trafficking and how that's, you know, a big danger and clear abuse of just literally women not by choice Mm -hmm. being prostituted out. Do you feel like how like when you talk to these agencies, can you tell like what kind of agency they are? Like, I'm working with people who are slaves. (laughs) Right. So like a bunch of people will call themselves quote unquote agencies when it's really just like two guys running a couple of girls. Yeah. Um, a lot of the more legitimate places will like ask for a picture of your driver's license, um, your work address, your work location, something as collateral. Um, so, or they have regulars that have been, been with them for years and know, so you know not to expect any trouble. I like how in your notes you say one R or one F <laughs> or one F. So the, what? Those are for your pops. Um, those would be my personal pop. It so F is the, for fake and yes. R is for real. Yeah. Wait, can I read some of this? Yes, absolutely. Not, I won't say this person's name, but this gentleman. Mm-hmm. This one says this guy was thirty-four year old B. I don't know, probably babe. Fit as hell. Uh, talks about his career a little bit in the address fun rolled a blunt drank some vodka clearly had a girlfriend so <laughs> like Was, wait is he asian or black he's black he's black okay um nigerian oh 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 one of my favorite regulars <laughs> oh <laughs> so why do you think he, he uses like why do you like why why do people I stopped asking that question oh, from, from the, from the clients and, um, I, everybody has their reasons. Everybody likes a thrill. Everybody likes getting off. Some people are just not happy in their relationships. Um, one of my best friends regulars is a, is a very sadly a dad whose wife just left him with their four month old baby and just gets like, day drunk every day and calls her like every day and gives like she, he is bankrolling her rent for the next six months yeah yeah because it's yeah he's going through some things i'm just curious because i wonder um what the like the allure of of like is it about the allure because like some people are in open relationships yeah it's not like but what what is it? Is it just like that you know exactly what you're going to get? primal level, yes. I think it is because you know exactly what you're going to get. Like from the male perspective, like you don't have to put in all this effort to maybe get laid. Well, you, you know do what put I mean? in effort to make that money. Right. right. <laughs> and then, like, that's how I've heard of it too from right. some guys where they're just like, well, I'm going to be spending all this money on a girl anyway. Right. So why not just, just go for the sure shot? Yeah. And... Cut the middle, yeah, exactly. Time and all the bullshit um, for them. What kind of clients do you feel like you mostly like? I see a lot of um, people who 
or other nationalities and then like white males. Right. So um, I think it does because the variety in my client base stems from I am a well-spoken Asian girl. Um, And it's it's partly fetishized because a lot of Hispanic males just like, you know, the aesthetic of an Asian girl. Um, they don't really care about like talking or anything. They just, you and know. you're a bit thicker Asian girl too. Right. I, I mean, I'm not a stick. I have some curves. I have a size C tit and a size B tit. <laughs> They're uneven. Um, yeah. Well, old middle-aged white males are my bread and butter. That's just like how, yeah. how I'll always support myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like the clients that I could maybe go on a date with because they're the easiest to manipulate <laughs> because uh, I I mean, I can see like why they like me because... But yeah, there's an yeah. emotional connection for them at least. Right. And it's it's manufactured, but um, I think one of my own specific personal talents is making that manufacturing manufactured product seem very real. Yeah, and when I asked you, like, what do you, what kind of traits do you think make someone who would be a good prostitute, a good hoe. And one of the things that you said well, was... Well, somebody who... Yeah, ruthlessness. Good, ruthlessness. You have to at least... You have to either like sex or like, excuse me, tolerate it. Right. Because, um, I mean, one of the girls, one of the Spanish girls I, I room with sometimes, she's like, you like sex? Like, you do this for the sex? I'm here just all about the money. I'm like... Well, I would drive myself insane if I just had to close my eyes and pretend it was somebody else every single time. But you feel like some of, some of the women are like that, though. Like it's very, yes. it's just mechanical or whatever, yeah. or like an acting yeah. sort of thing. And it doesn't. It just sound. It, it it sounds like they're just in so much pain sometimes, or they're just like have not having fun at all. Very very clearly, or sometimes some of them are like going through withdrawal off of hard drugs. Yeah. I guess, I don't know. I could see how with something like that, though, maybe to not get too consumed with it for some people, it might be that you like detach from mm-hmm. it. I don't know how I'm different just, people would react. And the other thing you said was like sales, too, like yes. in terms of sales skills. In terms of sales skills, um, everything in, in this world is a sale. You, you know, and Olivia. <laughs> well, I just thought that was interesting because you came from sales. And I then did. this was also like when I asked you, you straight up were like, that it's has been sale. so helpful because yeah, you have to negotiate. I'm myself. Yeah. I'm, th- it is the ultimate like purchase. That's, and I mean, I just thought of it because you have all these notes about these people, which is totally like if you were hardcore actually about your sales, you got to know your client and exactly. you got to know how to talk to them. Exactly. And you don't have like, oh, this is how I talk to everyone. You right. have to know like, this is how you talk to this person or that person. I mean, I obviously like this was never a long term plan for me. I, I mean, didn't want to do this for for long term but i did want to have fun while i was in it um so now, have you mostly enjoyed it um i would say i've enjoyed it more than i've enjoyed a job well and that's originally it, so you're you earlier mentioned how you started thinking about doing the prostitution thing because you were like oh well i'm already like having sex like, yeah like all the time around. anyways and I really need money because I was three months behind on rent. Right. So it just like it's it just seemed like very like inevitable almost. But you also well, had financial goals uh, right. along with it to get 
financially you, stable. Financially stable. Yeah, not just like that rent, but a couple of other bills that had been like racking up. Um, you went to a, an expensive school. I did. Uh, Sally Mae is, is a Colin. Uh, so yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, to resolve that. You and J. Cole. If I win, maybe then I could pay Sally Mae. Told her I'd be yeah i mean on uh who was it uh lisa ling actually spoke a lot about how the girls on seeking arrangement and a lot of sugar babies in new york city right now are educated millennial women like me who have day jobs and just need a little bit of extra income to be able to support themselves right and i think you're articulately saying like you know we go into the you rack up all this college debt And then it's like the jobs that were out there to make back the money that you spend on college just don't add up. The math doesn't right. add up. It's, it's such a catch twenty two. It's it's terrible. But you know, this is the society that the baby boomers have left for us. So what are we gonna do about? It? Okay, let's not go You're there, complaining but. like a fucking millennial. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> just kidding. No, it's like that. No, I agree. Um, <laughs> that's that's. I don't know. This is like fascinating to me, but like, so would you say that you've seen a lot of people starting to get into this? Like, like just thinking of like, get in and get out. Like, cause like, I feel like that's probably everyone's goal, right? Right. To get in and get get in and get out. And then you just get stuck. Yeah. Um, honestly, I haven't really, the, the subject of getting out of the business has not come up too often. Um, for a lot of girls that, um, and the only times that they, they are serious about it are, like I said, if they want to make a relationship work and their guy isn't okay with what they're doing, or they're trying to get clean from hard drugs and being in this industry does not help because you're constantly around a fast money and b people who know how to get drugs. Yeah. And a certain lifestyle that's required. Yeah. Um, like I spun out of control for a period of time, uh, <clears throat> just like doing way too many, like do way too many uppers, um, just to, like get through a shift and make the time pass by faster. Cause I was bored. And then after, you know, getting pulled aside and my friend being like, yo, just like relax just a little bit, like maybe not buy another bag of blow until the end of the week. Yeah. Like let's, let's think how much have you spent this week on, on X, Y, and Z? Well, I have a question then. So you want to get out, you're, th- you're planning an exit strategy, whatever. And this is really financially motivated. Like have, like where, where do you plan on going like work wise after that? Like, because you're now, you're always going to have that gap in the money. Right. Like, and like, if you're not spending that time, like learning some new skill, that's going to earn you some more money than what, right. you know? Um, so it, de- <clears throat> um, this this does seem quite trivial, but it does largely depend on the trajectory of where my relationship goes. Um, my serious boyfriend, we've been like on and off for a couple of years, and it's it feels like in this moment that the only thing preventing us from taking the next step, like moving in together, like talking about making a serious future together, is what I'm doing for work. What does he do? Um, he is a cook. He's a chef. So is he like willing to like support you while you get your next job? Or is it like part of the process is finding another job before you quit? And like, well, both. Well, personally, I'd like to find another job and have that lined up. Uh And I am in the process of looking for a new job. Um, I've switched industries so many times post-grad. 
I'm trying to make a career for myself in uh, television mm-hmm. um, and like production and maybe one day becoming a network executive or of some sort. Um, I think it's a fascinating world. Uh, I love TV. I've always loved it. Uh, not just for the you know brain deadedness, but for intricate writing and character arcs and so do you want to be a writer or are you like interested no no there's so many different there are so many different avenues of production parts of production but i think more of along the lines of of producing people um i think i could transfer those manipulating skills (laughs) (laughs) unreal oh my god that's my favorite show (laughs) i no i'm rachel i'm rachel I am Rachel, like, to the extreme. Like, oh, my God. How many times did they they mention Vassar over the last season? Oh, yeah. She's like, she's like, I'm a, she's like, I'm a feminist. I'm a feminist. And I went to Vassar. And I'm making The Bachelor. Like, what am I doing with my life? Uh, uh. Oh, no. That show is so good. (laughs) It is obsessed with it. Um, But, yeah. Um, But those are producing for reality, like, PAing on a reality show Mm -hmm. versus, like, PAing on a, on, like, CNN. Like, yeah, or just like a regular movie. show. Yeah. Like it literally depends National on the job you get. So you like got to go for like what love and basketball or like something there, like they or like Real Housewives where they like encourage people to like. They're like, she put the salt shaker down slightly in front of you. <laughs> Tell us about how angry you were about that. <laughs> Did you think that that was a slight because you have elevated blood pressure and she wants you to sacrifice your health and have a stroke maybe? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that bitch. Do you think that's what she did? And just, you know, just yeah. that's good You're TV. Like, ah. <laughs> that's good TV, yo. Yeah. Um. And eventually actually produce my own show about working girls because it seems like every seven years that one of the major networks is putting one out. So. I was going to say maybe, you know, yeah, I don't I know if your be- job is a resume builder, but maybe they would see the parallels. I feel that you are a bitch. I really was trying to say that you were acting like a bitch. For people who like do want to get out, but like don't have, you know what I mean? Like, like, where would they go? Like, if you're trying to escape your pimp, where are you going to go? The cops aren't really going to help you. Yeah, that that is that's one of the most dangerous. If you're being abused and manipulated and you and imprisoned by a pimp, then you don't really have a way to escape unless you have the moxie to or you you like get someone to help you escape. Well, that's what it seemed like talking to the gems people like i was mm-hmm. telling you who like they actually work with the police to like find out where um when prostitutes get arrested like arrested and they can tell mm-hmm. like you know that this is an abusive relationship yeah. but like they but they're so scared and also have some like emotional also like complications with Stockholm the relationship that develops absolutely like what are you gonna do when you leave him and also just kind of sense that you know he's Relying, gonna find you yeah, anyway and kill you and your children and, you know, and your like, family and and yeah, this is there's this like you know supposedly this nonprofit organization that's trying to like build a relationship really quickly, but you mm-hmm. can't necessarily like you've never been able to trust anyone anyways, and yeah. like do you know like what this guy is capable of, and like can these people really protect you, mm-hmm. and like um you know we talk about people getting pregnant like in the like you were saying like reasons why you've heard people getting out because they really want to get clean or like they have like relationships outside of it. Um, one of the things they said that a lot of women would finally get out if they like did get pregnant like obviously they're like this idea of like 
bringing a child, child into it. Yeah. They'll like want to like protect the child more than themselves. Like not all the time, but I've heard that as like a motivation too. I mean, of being like, I know so many girls um, who have children who still work. So it, and that's also perpetuates it too. too. People yeah. who gets into yeah. it and like that's how they got into it because their mom was like pretty much. Yeah. Um, so. I can't really speak to that because I don't really know many girls who have successfully gotten out. But that's, I think that's just because I haven't been in the industry too. Like I told you before, I was trying to figure out if rates of violence were lower in, in places where, um, where prostitution was legalized. Mm-hmm. But I was reading about, uh, in Nevada, it's like mm-hmm. everyone knows that there are illegal brothels in Nevada and it's glorified. Like there's that show, you know, cat house. And it was like all about like this brothel called the cat house where like there was a guy who owned it. He used to like sleep with everyone, but like the girls are so happy and they'd always like play these, like do these like scenes of them all like having pillow fights and like <laughs> teaching each other about sex and whatever. Um, but then uh, I was reading about how those kind of also become traps for people because oh yeah yeah like you have to pay for your room so you have like your charged room and board you're mm-hmm. charged like cleaning fees you're charged for your supplies you have like a 12-hour shift and you're not allowed to take like a mm-hmm. nap during it you'll get fined if you do you get fined if you show up for like you know mm-hmm. call like call time or whatever and you're not dressed the way they want you to be dressed or right. whatever um then by the end of the t- like at the end of the month like you'll maybe have only earned a few hundred dollars over yeah, after you've paid off all your fees. That is that is the story with pretty much every girl. <laughs> um, unfortunately. You mean in terms yeah. of how much they take home though? Like, I mean, yeah, because after that, like depends on how much you're bringing in well, though, right? Um, right. So it's, there are so many different ways to fall into traps. Um, not like outside of the physical, like pr- imprisonment, but it, you get into your own head where you're like, oh, I need this to be able to work. I need this to be able to work. And it can I be really any kind like, of vice. But and I think what you were saying, like, it's like a sales job. Honestly, it's not that different from a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. I was gonna you say, know, it's, like, it's not. It's not at yeah. all. <laughs> it's like, like you it, get it's like, basic economics. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like it really is like, um, except that instead, like me being a McDonald's worker, um, but it. The, the divide of the cash. Is well, there's a little, a little bit, bit of entrepreneurship yeah. that they're putting the burden on you as the person who's selling it it's because you like need the material. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like that sort of thing where you have to like buy the product to keep selling it. And if you like sell really well, you do make a profit. But if you mm-hmm. don't, like, right. Um, and then the company or the pimp or the madame is like making money also from right. from their prostitutes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's like Trump like Trump models. I was just like reading this article about how like they bring, they bring in like, um, inner, like foreign models. They mm-hmm. won't give them visas. Mm-hmm. So they'll have them working, but they'll like put them in a model apartment and then they charge them all like $1,200 a oh person to like share a room with like eight other people. Yeah. And then like, they just keep deducting it. Like they'll, and then they'll owe the agency money and then the agency will send them back oh after because God. they don't give them a visa. So like, yeah, and, yeah, but like it's. Be- I was like, oh my god, this sounds like, and I was just like, this sounds exactly like what happens in in Vegas well, or in Nevada. I will, well, my agent, the agency that I work with now, like they're chicken shit outfits, but I do get to like if I feel uncomfortable at alcohol at any alcohol, I can I can leave at any time. Um, my driver told me horror stories about working for agencies where he was told to just drop the girl off on the side of the road and just like leave her there 
or leave her at a call and just because like, you know, she had messed up in some minor way or uh, they just didn't like her. And my driver flat out said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to like leave her for dead. Yeah. Because um, he's a decent person. Um, and the numbers do really range. Too. Yeah. The numbers, the numbers really range. They? And like, yeah, there's no set, like there's no standardization. So it like makes it so like, you don't know how much money you're going to get. Yeah, oh, no, absolutely not. And so that's why people maybe then like start to undercut themselves on like and price and like. Right. And it's, oh, I, I, I will myself to not fall into that trap. Um, on the flip side, when you're having a good day, um, I made a thousand dollars in one shift at InCall, but I was begging for a break because I had just back to back to clients from like 3.30 to 10.30 and I was begging the phone girl, like, listen, I'm on my period. I need like five minutes. I'm starving. Like, just give me a minute. And she's like, you'll get a break later. It'll slow down later. And I said flat out, like, this is sex slavery. Yeah. Like, you need to, like, just give me a minute. Um, The phone girls over there tend to be real bitchy and you don't want to get on their bad So have side. you ever met any of them? I have not. Not face to face. They have an office, I guess, uptown. Um, and there are like six different phone girls. Uh, I have never met them face to face, but the security guys do. Um, there is a lot, a lot of the rules of any agency are in place to protect themselves just as much from the girls. Yeah. Right. Um, as the clients. Well, the, yeah, just absolutely. from their point, they want to put as many barriers between them and, well, and, and the also client and anyone on the street. calls. I never get the address of the client. I never get like their direct information, phone number, anything like that. I actually did find some statistics. There's this one's so based off the Sex Workers Project, which is New York City based, and they do a lot of advocacy. Um, and this is a very small sample size, but it seems like at least it's randomized pretty well. Like in it's like 30 people, so tiny, tiny. Mm -hmm. um, but they uh, did six locations in New York City and um, interviewed them and asked them you know, different questions. And 80% of them had experienced threatens of violence while working. Um, and when asked about reporting violence to the police, they reported that the police did not take their complaints seriously and often told them that they should expect violence. Um, quote unquote, Carol told researchers, if I call them, they don't come. If I have a situation in the street, forget it. Nobody told you to be in the street. After a girl was gang raped, they said, forget it. She works in the street. So, yeah, I mean, completely um, supports everything you were saying in terms yeah. of how um, prostitutes are treated. Uh, and then even uh, police violence against prostitutes. 30% of sex workers interviewed told researchers that they had been threatened with violence by police officers, while 27% actually experienced the violence at the hands of police. Um, reported incidents include officers physically grabbing and kicking prostitutes as well as beating them. One incident of rape, one woman was stalked by a police officer and throwing food at one subject. So like it's, yeah. Well, <laughs> this is a problem yeah. where you're policing basically like na fa like nameless faceless bodies because like, they don't want to think of you as a victim no because they're like oh you chose to do this but i was like hoping it's that a like high risk lifestyle and you deserve it but i think that that comes i think that's more related to the violence we like 95 percent oh. of murders of, of women murdered are murdered by men mm -hmm. right like we don't talk about the fact that like you know, in terms of a statistic that's yeah. outrageous, yeah. that like men kill, like vi perform violent acts against women at this big of a, a rate, because but we never they, really talk about it. It's literally just that. because they can. And but I also it's compounding it's, that too is the fact that so this is another statistic on here. 
And, and, you know, violence against women happens across all classes. But like, I think in this particular situation, apparently this is like from this New York City study, 87% of sex workers interviewed were homeless or in unstable housing situations and could become homeless at any time. Like yeah. another, just another layer of like, no one's going to give a shit. You right. know? Yeah. Like, but like, if they came up and had the knowledge to like stand up for themselves. Yeah. But like, my point is like, so I think it's more entrenched in the idea of violence. Like, look at how, like, look at how many women are not believed when, when they report mm-hmm. violence, like whether it be, you know, domestic violence or whatever, or, or rape or whatever. But then I like, I wonder what, cause like the Netherlands is like, everybody knows that you can go to the red light district and right. like you can go hang out. Um, you can like go find sex, you know, go have sex, do whatever kind of weird shit you want. It's legal. But I also think I couldn't find any statistics about that. But I also think that in general, they're a much less violent country. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They don't have the gun problem that we well, do also here just aggression. Temperament. Temperament. Yeah. 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 Like women are treated more equally in society. And so then there's just less violence. They're actually like reducing the number of prisons because they can't fill them because crime has gone down. And, and so, they're not trying to fill them. But so they're like, not making up and reasons they're yeah. to rehabilitate <laughs> their prisoners. Yeah, yeah they're not they just locking them up and throwing away the key. So then when you think about it that way, it's like just legalizing prostitution isn't enough, which I do think it should be legalized because, I mean, it's really like, yeah, it's a victimless crime, but it makes room for... To get just to, to just erase to keep all the taking, bad parts. The I know, violence, but then the worry the well, we start but then with decriminalizing, decriminalizing it, it yeah. and then like you know having some kind of regulation to weed out all of the ne- all of the shit. Yeah, and just because and the abuse. I mean, you're choosing to be in this, but a lot of women aren't, and just the fact that yeah, if something happens to them, they're just yeah not seen as yeah. a person. And even if you do choose to, it's like that's still like that. That's no one's supposed to be raped or had violence to get them and unprovoked in any yeah. way. And like, yeah, yeah. It was just no. I don't understand the logic leap of, of these people and their mentality of you're living a high risk lifestyle. You're putting your yourself in a potentially dangerous situation. So you deserve to have something dangerous done to you. Well, that is just the nature of victim blaming. Shit, yeah. the, I mean, victim it, blaming, it is yeah. victim blaming, but I think that that's kind of the nature in our culture right now. That's like, Oh well, you know why'd you wear wh- such a tight skirt? Or no. yeah, or why did you the boys you know, in their study? Yeah, why did you wear uh, or like why you have a gun on you if you're not doing anything wrong? Oh, like don't take my gun rights away. Oh my god, but I you haven't you should have an open carry permit. Somebody gets shot with an open carry permit. He should have told the cusp that he had an open carry permit. It's yeah. like it's always someone else's fault mm-hmm. because that way we don't actually have to work on things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Nobody wants to take agency for their own faults and flaws and. Some of the things you've told me that you have to mitigate with clients is pretty much reminding them that it's a profession, right? You were saying how like sometimes that, they think you're right. your girlfriend because you pro- seem like they like you. It is a profession. It's a job. Um, and But I also, the thing that hits hard um, nine times out of ten is when I remind them that I'm a person because... I mean, clients are the first people to to write you off as just a wet hole. But I mean, if if I if I'm like kind of trying to latch on to some kind of spark that you know to blow on the spark, I'll give them a big doe-eyed look and like I'm just a regular girl. I'm just a person. I'm just trying to get myself through school. Like, mm-hmm. and 
And I will say that I get more tips that way. <laughs> well, they're human. You're humanizing that you yeah. have a backstory. You're not just like right. a, a, an like, anatomic like, oh, wow, you, like you have concerns or needs. Yeah. Right. What gets me really angry is when some clients get comfortable and they think, oh, they ask, oh, hey, like instead of paying 250, can I just pay 200? Could I get the bear for free? Could I do this, this and this? And I say, well, um, hey, listen, like, when you go to your boss and you've been working for him for a couple of years and you've been doing, doing a good job, do you say, hey, can I work for half my salary? Yeah. So because men think that they they should be able to acquire sex for free, they should be able to to be intimate with, with a woman for free so they don't want to have to pay. It's a, it's a very complex ego, internal ego slash wanting to get your rocks off slash wanting to think that you did this by yourself. Yeah, uh, or in the, or maybe the perils of dating, where they're like, oh, you know, you pay for the first few dates, but right. then after a while, you don't have to pay, right? Or yeah, you after a while, while, you go Dutch, you're like, you yeah, know, or and you're then, like, oh, uh, I'll just come over. I ordered a pizza, Netflix, <laughs> and oh god, I can't even bring myself to say it, but um, yeah, I know it, it. That's when you gotta drive home that this is a job for me. This is, I mean, I come here and I pretend to be super affectionate and pretend I want to be here. But it's it's at the end of the day, it's a job. How many? How much percent of the men that you see do you feel like respect you or profession? Like understand respect me as a person? Okay, let's do both. Yeah, um, let's do both. As that's just like at least understand. I think, what it no, is I think the it. two go hand in hand um, in in sex work um, because there are men who profusely say like, "I don't want you to think I'm being disrespectful," and it goes across like all races um, and classes and whatever um there are men who will profusely just reassure me over and over and over again that they they're a good man they're trying to they're trying to respect me as a person they don't want to make me feel uncomfortable and then you've got you know your run-of-the-mill assholes um but um percentage wise i would say like 70 65 to 75 percent of my clients are are sweet and they're screened so like yes. that's filtering out screen yeah well that's like filtering out like yeah you're not like somebody who's like desperate who like doesn't have options so you're like that that number would probably be a lot smaller if you didn't have the protections you had uh yeah. if any listeners out there want to follow me on twitter they can at um what, what's the handle that hoe over here um no spaces Kind of like a thought, but I'm over here mm. <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you so much, you guys. And just a message for any listeners out there. Tip your whores. Yeah. Thank you very much. I've been El Kim. <laughs> 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 So that was El Kim. Yeah. And uh, she was just coming from, I think, a double shift. Yeah. She, and she took the time to come talk to us. Um, yeah, I had no idea that, like, so many outfits were involved. Like, that, you know, there's the call center, and then there's the drivers, and then there's, like, in-calls and out-calls, and, like, nobody, like, there's basically a buffer between everyone, so nobody can call so each other out. super siloed. And then you'd think it'd be, like, for the protection but it's to protect 
the people who really make money, who like run the whole whole thing, the like the bosses, I guess. Yeah. Which like is it is it definitely like a standard thing if you're doing anything illegal? Like if you're a decent drug dealer, you don't take the money and the drugs. Like you shouldn't have those together. So I guess it makes sense like for like yeah, for something that's illegal like that and they want to cover their asses. Um Yeah, but see, even with something that's like with a setup, the way that she has a setup that's like had their security always, like it's still not a safe like even if you are for like I imagine that not everyone gets this set up. If you're like working on the street, you mm-hmm. just like get, jump in a car and who knows what the hell's happening to you. I mean, she was still like pretty, seemed pretty shaken up um, from like her assault that had happened like within, a, I think it was a few days before or a week before. Yeah. And, you know, when she had told me that, I, I mean, it came up because I was trying to get a hold of her and like couldn't contact her and found out that her phone had gone stolen and then I had to be like uh was was there any violence or feeling and she was like uh well you know uh I also my job (laughs) it's weird because I almost feel like she kind of um wanted to skirt over that maybe because well you know the risk I guess and I can imagine you you do take that guilt and you do internalize it in that way like I know that I'm um gonna be going into a position where I take that risk every day and then when it happens I can see like not wanting to be like everyone feel bad for me, you know? Like, yeah, or even admit it to yourself because then you're like, because there's a there's a sense that like, oh, I'm I chose this. I'm like I'm like an attractive, well educated woman, and I shoot like she said that she makes more money than some of the other girls because mm-hmm. of whatever. And then so you feel like you have this power over like this that this isn't going to happen to you because you made this choice. Mm-hmm. Um. And you did it the right way. But, right. But you can never but there's control. there's no yeah. necessarily right. I mean, not to say that I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but there's no right way when you're in an industry that subjects you to a lot of risk. Right. Or you can slip up once. Like she was saying how normally one of the other prostitutes would be like hiding in the closet or something and like can be able to like, it's partially there just to save room on hotels. Like, the space in the hotel but it's also usually kind of like a safety precaution like so that you can like that person can call someone else if they hear something go on and they she didn't take that extra precaution that time you know like yeah I mean it's, it's scary and I, I mean I think that that just goes to show like um how how much is involved I mean I do think it's kind of crazy because like we kind we do kind of glorify it when we talk about um these like high Remember who was who were the the um were politicians in the last couple of years that were like caught with like crazy high price hookers that were mm-hmm. like spending like ten thousand dollars like mm-hmm. at a time to like be with these women that basically I imagine would be like beauty con like would be miss in like Miss America competitions or mm-hmm. Miss USA competitions right so it's like either way those women are kind of gonna get go after men with that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't talk about them the same way we talk about people who are, you know, marginalized. Right. And I think that's why I think it is good to have this conversation because, you know, I think we talked we talked a little about like sugaring and like how somehow there's a good amount of people who do it who who know it's just a business and that they're pretty much a sex worker. But there's also a lot of people who apparently partake in it and it's like 
feeling like that you're that you're, you're above better. or you're like a certain kind of sex worker and, and like yeah it's like it's like the you know like the prostitute not the prostitute it's like stripping used to be like super con- considered super like um super degrading or whatever and then all these like women started going to pole classes, right? <laughs> and like we took that away. I mean, we took that away still from like it's like, well, I go to pole classes or I'm a pole performer, not to to shit on it. But um when certain groups, especially like rich white women like in Beverly Hills are like taking pole classes, that's still considered in performing in that same kind of dance. Mm-hmm. It's considered different than a woman who's been doing that at a strip club, you know. Just trying to make, trying to pay her rent. Right. I mean, even within strip clubs, usually actually like, apparently the more higher end ones, they don't do all that pole dancing. They just kind of like <laughs> look cute and shit. Apparently that's like, you, that, cause you're working too hard, you know, like, no, I'm too, I'm too, like you got to just like stand there and be cute. Like, and that's what the other gross layer of this, it's like this whole hierarchy, hierarchy within yeah. sex work and I am going to go yeah. back to my whole gentrifying Absolutely. Um, sex work because, like, it is I, like, I, and I see that in New York too of just like the people that come and literally go move to some neighborhood in Brooklyn and they just shit on how horrible that neighborhood is. Yeah, and but like, I wish one. I can't. I wish I could live in like Manhattan or Williamsburg, and I'm I'm all the way out here and and like. Bushwick or Bed-Stuy or Dude, that's like, like San Francisco where it's like, it's like people up. move to San Francisco and they're like, why are all these homeless people here? It's like, get the fuck out. The homeless <laughs> people have been here forever. And it actually really makes me mad pushing the homeless out of San Francisco. But it's the same same thing. Um, it's like, but to you're going to do that. Don't have that attitude. Anyways. Well, also, I do want to... So I, this is from Mr. Robot. But I don't know if you guys watch Mr. Robot, but I really loved this anecdote. Um so there's one character in Mr. Robot who basically sells out and starts working for this corporation that she was um, working, like helping to build a lawsuit against. And they ended up offering her a job and she decides to take it. And the lawyer she's working with tells her a story that goes like, um, well, there was a woman who never really made a lot of money. And this man walks up to her and he's like, ma'am, uh, you're really beautiful. Like, I liked any propositions her and he asks her to sleep with him for a million dollars. And she's like, Oh, I've never had this much money. Um, never thought of, so she could have that much money. So in her life. So she says, yeah, yeah, totally. She's like down. Yeah, I'm down. I'm going to do this. And so when she says, yes, he starts trying to bargain with her and then he offers her, I think some, just some random number. So he offers her like $20 and she's like, what kind of woman do you think I am? Mm-hmm. And he says, I already know what kind of woman you are. Now we're just negotiating. And I think that's the perfect anecdote. It's like, you're, you don't, it's bizarre to like, that this Vanity Fair article. She separated herself from that kind of woman. You're not, yeah. You're, if you're the kind of person who does anything, then you're that kind of person. You're not better, no matter how much money you're making, you're not better than anyone else. Yeah. And like, that's fine. And I mean, it does just also make me also really want, legalization I mean legalization of prostitution or at least decriminalizing and steps towards it it and offering support yeah because I mean like I said a lot of people end up into it in this industry out of abuse or like a lot of girls end up like oh I had a boyfriend and then they pressure them into it and like that's still emotional their boyfriend was a pimp and it's it's a very common strategy um for 
controlling women. Yeah. And we might talk about it in terms of like, oh, well, they made that choice. But when you're in an emotionally abusive situation, like it's still coercion. It's Mm -hmm. still not. And, you know, maybe people don't know, like, don't have the same options. Um, So, I mean, if you do choose to go into it willingly, good for you. But I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of danger with just like glamorizing the higher end, like people who do have a choice. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not fun. <laughs> like, or it's not all fun and games. And maybe it is. Like, maybe people enjoy it. But there's so many other people that are lo- that are overlooked. So, but we do want to talk about services that do um, help women who yeah. might be involved um, and want to get out. Yeah. Um, there is, of course, Gems, which was. A fundraiser that I helped fundraise for is actually one of the first things that we worked on. I think Noel. Yeah, that's you actually ta- you helped at my event. Um, yeah, she uh, Olivia held a an event um, for her birthday. It was like with DJs and everything, but it was a fundraiser for Gems. Yeah, girls empowerment. Uh, girls empowerment mentoring services. Um, but they really focus on um, providing services for women who were caught in sex trafficking. It was started by a woman who was in the life um, and escaped. And she just first started literally as a, like kind of like a safe house and then grew the organization from there and has been involved with, um, you know, like when prostitutes get, get arrested, they're one of the services that like come and actually try to give women an option yeah, um, other organizations, um, Swap USA, which is the Sex Workers Outreach Project, they have um, they have resources local and um, nationally. But then they also just have like tips, like if you are not necessarily to get you out, but like how do you avoid certain kinds of people? Um, what kind of safety precautions you should take. They also have like a, um, a phone line you can call if you need to talk and um, resources. There's the Polaris po- Project, um, which is the national... That's like international, right? Yeah, National Human Trafficking Resource Center. Um, and there's also, yeah, you said GEMS. Um, Covenant House is nationwide, but they work with team people between the ages of 17 and 21 because I imagine if you can get out early enough, you can keep a pretty you can start over (laughs) you can start over anytime but i guess you know the better the earlier you intercept um the better right so um all of these resources you can check out if you'd like to learn more um on our website yeah we'll have them on our website and www.chillandambitious.com yep uh, and yeah, you can hit, hit us up at the social on the social medias at chill ambitious. Um, this week, uh, some of our feedback, feedback is loving episode 31, especially the bit about hustling in New York versus LA, which was our interview with Veronica Dash, um, where we talked, where we, she was their actress um, and who's just like killing it right now. Yeah. But just talking about how she was a bombshell and, and, you know, only went out for these roles against like 40 other like really plastic versions of herself in LA and then came <laughs> to New York and was like, oh my God, 
I'm like working harder. I'm hustling harder. I'm always taking classes and whatever. So yeah, our feedback this week was from, was about that and just said that. And I asked, uh, I responded to this, this person and said, did you find any truth in the acting stuff parallels? Um, and he said, I found a lot of parallels in life. I totally, and I also totally need to read getting more so much good stuff from the both of you. Hell yeah. That's my book. That's my jam. It's such a good book. It is a good book. I highly recommend it again. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in with us. Um, yeah, we'll check probably, us on our social medias yeah. at Chill Ambitious. Uh, yeah, at Chill Ambitious. Um, and we'll probably be back to our regular, our regular life innovator interview next week. Yes. Um, I'm O. I'm No. And, and we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.